You are listening to Daily Devotions with Pastor Robert Marsbach. We believe that these devotions will encourage and strengthen you. So tune in, connect, and be blessed. For any more information, please visit us online at lifechurchuk.org. Welcome to Life Devotions. Thank you for joining me today. Be an example is the title of this devotion. How do we need that today? Oh, friends, we need it more than ever. I really believe that with all my heart. We need examples. We need young Joshua, so to speak, and Caleb's, who stir up a new generation to hold fast to God, to press on to all that He's predestined them to. But we need the old to affirm that what the young are pursuing, God has planted and placed before them by His promises and His goodwill. We need both. We need the old and the young to labor together as one and not fight each other because of the changes of times and changes of ways. The ways and times may move and change, but God remains the same from everlasting to everlasting. Thou art God. Moses begins this incredible Psalm 90 with that statement, forever and ever thou art God. He begins Psalm 90 and then he pleads in that Psalm, Lord, help us to gain a wise heart so that we may be able to number our days and understand the times in which we're living for what you had promised that you would do. And Moses, together with Joshua and Caleb and others, were able to outlive the hearts of unbelief and doubt and fear that perished in the wilderness and pressed through and entered the promised land God had planned for them all along. How we must not perish with the unbelieving hearts and fading away into the love of this world and the ways of this world, but to stay like bright shining lights as examples that what God has promised, He also is able to perform. That we can be a generation that says, oh, I've seen it, I know it. Oh, friends, I would go with my father on Friday nights to Amsterdam when I was a young man. And here at the Krasnopolsky Hotel on the Dam in Amsterdam, that's a famous place there, my father had meetings every Friday night right one door away from the Red District where women were selling their bodies to the bystanders. And here my father would have church and people would come by the hundreds every Friday to give their hearts to Jesus. And I saw with my own eyes. I saw the baptismal services my father would have every three months and he would baptize between 100 and 300 at least every time, every three months. What a feast, what a rejoicing, what a gladness. I've seen the moving of God's Spirit in different nations where I've gone myself in different places. Well, I'll never forget being in Ethiopia in the city of Hosanna. And there I was given the privilege to, to go along with a great evangelist and I was asked to speak in, in front of uh, the ministers and leaders that had come, some 11,500 of them. And it was hot. It was over 40 degrees Celsius. And I'm preaching. And while I'm preaching, the Holy Spirit in me shows me the people are very uncomfortable in the terrible heat. And I stopped preaching and I said, I see that you're very uncomfortable in the heat. 
and the Heavenly Father is going to bring a cloud in front of the sun right now and cause cool wind to come and, and cool you down and comfort you. And I continued preaching and within minutes the cloud had come and the wind blew and that evening it began to rain and I didn't know it, but they had, had suffered a terrible drought and the drought stopped from that day. I'm not boasting of myself, I'm just saying, I've seen the working of God. And that's just a small example uh, that how I've seen God's working and power. And God is looking for you and me today to stir up a new generation to believe to see the mighty works of God today and to be an example in the way we daily live. Here we see in John chapter 12, verse 26, where Jesus is talking about him laying down his life for you and me, about the grain that cannot bring forth a harvest unless it falls in the earth and dies. One precious man in Hereford, he's in heaven, a farmer. He let us use the farm there to hold evangelistic meetings, bless him. The cows were on one side making their noises and we were having revival meetings on this side. I'll never forget, it was glorious, sincerely glorious. And he said, Pastor Robert, I want to show you what God's done for me. He said, did you know most farmers take their own lives in between sowing and reaping because they have nothing left except to trust God to give them the increase. And because of the weather and other circumstances, they often grow so weary that they can't bear the stress anymore and take their own life. He said, but look at this. All I could see was a piece of grass, or as it looked to me, sticking out of the ground. And he plucked that piece of grass. He said, do you see the seed here who's died, who's given its life? And with his fingernails, he opened what looked like the grass and inside was the head. And he counted and there was 75 little bitty seeds on that head. And he said, look what God's done for me. He's given me a 75-fold increase. Isn't God good? And you see, Jesus talks about himself as the seed sown so that you and I might receive the life that he now gives because of the death that he died for us. He died to death and for death. All praise God for Jesus Christ. And he says here, if anyone, verse 26 of John 12, serves me, let him follow me, follow my example, follow the way I, I go. And where I am, there my servant will be also. And if anyone serves me, him my father will honor. If you read that chapter, you can see how Jesus is talking about his suffering. And you see in 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21, he says, for to this you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he didn't threaten, but he committed himself to him who judges righteously, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness by whom stripes you were healed. Oh, it is amazing how Jesus was willing to bear the reproach of our sins so that we could be saved and healed. And he is encouraging us to be willing to do the same for others. You see, the Lord needs us today to be an example. The Apostle Paul is writing his last letter to his dear friend, Timothy, who we really missed. He was in a dark dungeon in Rome 
and Timothy was pastoring in the city of Ephesus and he was laboring and not the easy, easy times as today it isn't easy times. And Paul says to Timothy in his last letter here in, in, in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. Excuse me. 2 Timothy is his last letter, right? So let me just correct myself. But, but 1 Timothy was also written towards the end of his life. He said, let no one despise your youth, Timothy, but be an example, the title of this devotion, to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. It's important that we are examples, that we're examples to the believers, to the church, in our conduct, our attitudes, in our love for God, in our love for one another, in the spirit, that's a small spirit, that kind of spirit we bear, in faith, in purity, moral uprightness and honesty, that we can look one another in the eyes with a clear conscience because we have not been deceitful in our moral passions. That is so important to be an example. And he says, now till I come, Timothy, give attention to reading, exhortation, to doctrine. Do not neglect the gift that's in you, which was given to you by, the pro by prophecy, by the laying on of hands of the eldership. Meditate on these things and give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine, continuing them for in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. And Paul says, you need it as much as those who hear you. You know, many, many years ago, one lady one time said to me after a service fasting, I think what you preached today was for yourself. I said, I agree. I agree. I always eat my own cooking and I need it. And yes, if you don't preach to yourself, then you ought not to be preaching. If you can't eat your own cooking, you ought not to be cooking, of course. You have to be first partakers of it. And I believe that with all my heart. And she didn't mean it unkindly. She didn't mean it uh, harshly. Paul is on his way to Jerusalem and then goes to Rome and ends up in prison there and writes his last letter, 2 Timothy, okay? But while he's on his way, he comes to a city called Miletus. Miletus is about 30 miles away. It's a coastal town, about 30 miles away from Ephesus, which is really one of the center towns in those days of Asia Minor, I think, as they would call it in those days. Uh, and I have to study that out a bit more to, to use accurate acronyms for all of this. But it says here, from Miletus, verse 17 of Acts 20, he, Paul, sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. So it's about 30 miles and they come over to him, which would have been quite a trip in those days. And when they had come to him, he said to them, you know, from the first day that I came to Asia, in what manner I always lived among you, serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews, how I kept nothing back that was helpful and proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house. He says, you know, 
in what manner I've always lived among you. You see, the Apostle Paul, to be an example, was absolutely pivotal and absolutely vital to the success of his ministry. And we are no less responsible today to be good examples because you can absolutely destroy what you build through a good message by the way that you live if you don't live in corresponding action to your words. It's so important that we live as good examples today and that we stir one another up to this and help each other to it. And all of us sometimes need a bit of encouragement how we should behave and shouldn't. I am so grateful for my dear Virginia that she is such a sweet soul and such a pure-hearted lady and such an honest lady and private, in a good sense private. In other words, she doesn't behave unbecomingly, not privately, nor publicly, not when we're at home alone. You will never see my wife act rudely or unbecomingly, ever. I've never seen her do it. I don't ever hear her sin with her mouth, speak cruelly about others or, or I don't even know how to describe things. She is such a pure-hearted, precious soul. And that she's been willing to walk with me for almost 39 years now. In April, we'll be married 39 years. And we're more in love and better friends than ever and more on the same page spiritually than ever. And here, she would encourage me, honey, honey, you can't say that. You can't do that. Many years ago, we're talking in 1997, 98. You know, I was, I had done a kitchen of a house we were renting because the owner had promised that I could buy the house and we had agreed on the price. I had to build a whole new kitchen in it and wallpapered it and everything. And then once that was done, he said, okay, I want the house back. You need to move out. So there was a bit of, yeah a bit of a twist and turn there because God had something else in mind, something much better that I didn't know about, much better. And sometimes we have our plans, but God's plans prevail. Thank you, Jesus. And I got offended by that. I did. I got offended. And every time I walked through that kitchen and saw the work I'd done, it made me offended, right? And offense can sneak into your heart sometimes if you don't watch it. And offense is a snare. The Bible calls it the word scandal. And it's the word scandal comes from that, right? It's, it's a snare, a trap, a noose. And I had been noosed. I'd been snared. And here I'm walking in the kitchen and I thought nobody was there. And I was talking myself, but you could hear what I was saying. And I was speaking dark words of upsetness, of offense. And suddenly I felt the presence of Jesus and it scared me silly. Oh, it scared me silly like I was sinning. And it is sin to speak hateful things and to curse others. That is sin. We ought not to curse others. And I, I felt his presence and it scared me. And I looked and Virginia was standing there and tears were flowing down her cheeks and she looked at me and she said, you're talking just like the devil. And my goodness, did I fall on my knees and repented utterly. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for stopping me in my evil way. 
Oh, some people don't want to be stopped when they're evil. God forgive you, but I want to be stopped. Stop me, Lord. I'd rather have the bruise of a friend than the kisses of an enemy. Oh, absolutely. I want to be stopped. I don't want anybody to agree with any evil way. And thank you, Jesus, that he keeps me day and night from the evil and that my life is changed. But my goodness, have I needed to do some growing. And I thank Jesus for Virginia, that she was such an amazing example of forgiveness and love and goodness and always has been. And I plead with you today, let the Lord Jesus use you as an example. The Apostle Paul says, you know how I've always lived among you and served the Lord Jesus in all humility, with tears, even in the trials that happened to me. And how I didn't block up and say, well, I don't want to do this anymore. It's too painful. No, I kept giving out. I kept giving out. And he says, then he goes on, I went bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, knowing that things, the, uh, the, uh, the things that would happen to me because the Holy Spirit kept telling me that change in tribulations awaited me. Bound in the spirit. In other words, he says, I couldn't do anything else but the will of my Father. Some people, the moment they have to pay a price for living right, then they back off. Come on now. That's not a good example. We should not back off from doing what's holy and right in God's sight, even when friends forsake us for it or we're misunderstood or misjudged. We should just do what's right in God's sight and leave the rest to Him. Say amen. And it's the attitude by which you do it is important. You do it with a loving spirit, with a humble spirit like I'm reading to you here today. But listen to this in closing. The Apostle Paul says, the Holy Spirit keeps telling me that where he's leading me, challenges are there. But none, he says, of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy in the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. He says, I'm not moved by the challenges to do what is pleasing to my Father. And the Apostle Paul was a phenomenal example that I am inspired by. I'm compelled to follow him. And we need to be examples today. We need to be examples today. We need to be examples. I've got one more scripture for you in Hebrews 13, okay? What a glorious chapter. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7. Okay, remember those who rule over you who spoke the word of God to you, whose faith follow, consider the outcome of their conduct, because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And then he cautions us to not follow the wrong influence. It's so important that we are examples, especially as leaders and as pastors, especially as leaders and as pastors. If you are a minister in one way or another, you've got to live at home what you share in public. You cannot share in public what you're unwilling to live at home. That kind of leadership creates so much pain in people's hearts when they see that what you demand from them, you are unwilling to do yourself. And it's so difficult to convince somebody of something that you yourself don't live. But if they see it in you, it will inspire them to follow. And I plead with you, be an example. Amen. Have a good day.